once again to Mets at the Movies, the podcast that talks about movies from celluloid to digital and everything in between. My name is Eric Metz, and on today's show, we're going to be talking about numbers 10 through 2 of my favorite movies of 2017. The reason why we're not doing number 1 is because I want to save that for a very special episode all to its own, because I think it deserves it. It's my favorite movie of the year. I think it deserves a little special treatment compared to the rest, don't you think? Now, we're going to start off right off the bat with my number 10 film. And this is a film, but it's not a movie, technically. It's Score, a film music documentary. Now, if you know anything about about me, I love documentaries about filmmaking. I saw a bunch this year. I saw the Roger Corman documentary. I saw the Spielberg documentary that HBO put on. I saw De Palma. Fantastic work. One of the reasons why I liked this documentary so much is because I'm a big fan of music in movies. I find that a lot of times what separates good films to great films for me is the music involved. If I could come out of a movie and I can think, wow, the music on that specific scene, and then I go look for it on iTunes, Spotify, whatever, that to me means it's a great score. And if I have it on my iPod, iPhone, whatever device I have to listen to constantly, that's a surefire win for me. Some of my favorites of all time are the Dragonheart theme, um, Magnificent Seven. I think Magnificent Seven is one of the best I've, I've ever heard. If I need a really good pick-me-up, it really uh, that song really just gets me going and drives. And what I like about this film is when I got to learn a lot about composers that I didn't know about. I've, I've heard their music before, but I had no idea who they were. What I also really liked about this was you got to see how some of these sounds and some of these composers create music in such unique ways. They take items that aren't generally considered musical instruments and they use them to create the sounds of the film. And some of these things are like instruments that they haven't used since 1919 and it was only around for five years, but it makes a sound that when compiled with the other sounds, really lifts the film to something magical. And I think that's one of the reasons why I love this documentary. If you can go and find it, watch it 100%. My number nine film of the year is Split. Now, a lot of people are following the Get Out train. I enjoyed Get Out. Maybe not as much as everybody else did, but Split was the movie that really grabbed me earlier on in the year. I was a fan of M. Night Shyamalan in his early days. I think Signs is is one of my top 20 favorite films of all time, and it is one of the films, it was the last films that I can remember actually having a physical and emotional scared response to in a film that I I haven't had in such a long time that I I don't even remember when. I was legitimately scared and nervous and uncomfortable at times, and that doesn't happen in films for me. So I was big on Split because I really wanted M. Night to have a win. And I think he did. And I think one of the great reasons why it was a win was because James McAvoy put in one of the best performances of the year. The fact that he's able to jump between six or seven personas throughout the film and you legitimately believe them is nothing short of incredible. 
and his just intensity towards our three f- female leads was was just spellbinding. And the fact that it wasn't centered around a sexual need of his was even better. He was just kidnapping these girls because they were there and he kind of wanted to protect them. It's a weird it's a weird take, but it was very well done. It was very interesting and to me, I think that is the much I think that is a much better horror thriller than Get Out. But because film is subjective, you are totally cool and allowed to have your own opinion, just like I'm allowed to have my own. My number eight favorite film of the year is Colossal. Now, one of the reasons why I liked Colossal is, again, the acting performances. I find at times Anne Hathaway puts a little too much acting into her roles, like she's trying too hard. But in this, it feels like she's she toned down and really encapsulated the char- character and what the character was going through and the problems they were having and understanding how a person in their situation would react to finding out that they're the monster destroying parts of Seoul, South Korea. And I believed it. And one of the other incredible acting performances out there in that film was Jason Sudeikis. I'm used to seeing him as a comedic actor in his movie roles. You've got movies like Hall Pass, television with Saturday Night Live. I'm used to seeing as him as a comedic actor. And seeing some of the dark places he can go to in this emphasizes, it doesn't emphasize, it reminds me why I think some of the best dramatic actors come from comedy if you look a lot if you look at a lot of comedians who have transitioned from comedy over to dramatic acting a lot of them have done it extremely well like i'm talking i'm talking i'm talking better than what an actor who started in drama and came up through can do because i think comedy is a harder emotional a harder emotion to portray than, than drama and sadness. And Jason Sudeikis really goes for it in, in this one. And I have to give him credit. Early on in the year, he was one of the best acting performances I've seen in this. Now, there is some comedy in it, but it blends well because it's kind of a sad comedy. You're, you're laughing because what these people do are, are doing is just, it's not right, but you're laughing at them because you're just feeling sad for them and you want them to do better and you believe that they can do better by the end of the film, at least some of our characters. My number seven favorite film of the year is Wind River. Speaking about music in film, the mix of Native American song and, and singing mixed with the dark tones produced for this movie was incredible. It really brought me in and it made me believe what was going on was real. It, would, it made me believe that 
this murder that happened in Wyoming, we were just watching a reenactment of it happening. And that's how good it was. I'm used to seeing Jeremy Renner, like most people, as an action star. Jason Bourne, um, well, the Bourne Supremacy, I think it was. Um, And um, Marvel movies. You're used to seeing him in those. But the fact that he can step away away from those and and play such a dark character, a darkness inside of him because of what happened to him earlier on. And I I know Elizabeth Olsen more from her indie films she's done over the years. Yes, I know her from Avengers as well, but I first came into seeing her in, I think it was Liberal Arts I saw her in. And it was a really good movie. And just this year, she also did Ingrid Goes West, which is another great performance that that she she does. And she does something different in this film than in all the the other films. And it shows that her range, she's got range for days. But one of the more warming parts of this film, and this film makes you feel cold the whole time you're watching it, because it's very cold out there in that in this film but one of the warming parts of this film and to any Canadian out there should know the name if you don't know the name you know the face of Graham Greene now I know him because of the Red Green show most Canadians will know him from other things most actors will know him from Dances with Wolves I also know him from the movie Maverick with Mel Gibson but he is just a Canadian treasure that any time you need an Inuit, First Nations, Native American, he's always an actor that you can go to for a great performance, not only as an actor himself, but representing his pe- people so well. And I think he deserves more credit than what he gets out there. I looked on his IMDb page, and I'm glad to see that he's got a slew of projects coming up. And I'm happy to see that because I want to see more of him. And I think when we're in an age where we're talking about representation, somebody like this who's been doing it for so long and doing it in a positive way, yes, Maverick was a little more um, comedic because it was a comedic movie, but the point of his role in that was to kind of play off stereotypes and to show that, no, they're actually regular people just like us, just like everybody else. And sometimes they need a little cash to pay pay for food. And sometimes they'll do stupid things. But that was for the point of that role. And I think he needs more work. My number six favorite film of the year is It. Stephen King adaptation of it. I'm a huge fan, huge fan of coming of age movies. I think they're one of, if not my favorite genre when it comes to films. And I try and see as many as I can. My favorite movie of all time is a coming of age film. I'm not going to say it because I don't want to spoil it for a later episode. But this is such a great coming of age tale because each of the characters represents a different 
person as they're growing up as a child. So no matter what kind of childhood you had, no matter what child you were, you can look to one of these kids and say, I was like that. I was like that. That kid was like me, whether you're a boy or a girl. And it's very, and it's very comforting to see characters that you can kind of relate with because it makes the film a little bit more enjoyable. Now, I, as I said earlier, don't get scared by films anymore. I wish I did. I wish I could go into a film, be so scared that I have trouble sleeping that night. I wish I still had that raw emotional experience and that primal fear that people can get from films, but I can't. I don't get that anymore. Or at least I haven't found a film that has done that for me yet. But what I liked in this was the scares weren't cheap. They weren't jump scares. They weren't there to shock you. They were there to make you feel uneasy, uncomfortable. Like you just didn't want to be here. You know what's going on, and you hate that you're here watching it. And that's what this movie does great. I was also able to see it in theaters with people who are afraid of clowns. And that kind of did make the movie-going experience in the film a little bit more enjoyable for me. Because I was able to enjoy the film and enjoy the reactions from my friends. Not only that, a lot of the movie was filmed in my home city of Oshawa. I still have pictures of the house, the dilapidated, rundown house that they built, Pennywise's house. I still have pictures of that and remember going to the lot and seeing that. And it was really cool. So I kind of have a personal connection to it that when I look at that scene, I can say, I've been there in real life. I know that house. I know that place. And that always gives a little kind of fanboy enjoyment to it. Now, my number five favorite film of the year, again, if you know me, no surprise, was Star Wars The Last Jedi. And I'm pretty sure this movie was universally enjoyed, I think. I think that's what I saw. But seriously, whether you like this or not, you're free to your own opinion. My opinion is I loved this movie. I love where they went with things. I love what they did. I love some of the callbacks they did. I was having a discussion about this recently with a friend, and I find myself realizing that I love the lore of Star Wars, the history, where people are from, what they do, how they came to be, how things came to be, how the Republic came to be, how the Jedi started, how the Sith started, seeing what happened to people 400 years ago. I find that more interesting to me than the films itself. Don't get me wrong. I love the films. I've got a bunch of Star Wars memorabilia on my wall. But I always find myself more interested in the lore. And you're probably saying, but Eric, they changed and they, and they, and they cut so much of the lore out of this film. And they did. I'm still interested in knowing the history of Snoke. But I don't need to know it right now. I don't need to know absolutely everything. 
and ask some of my my friends. Almost every day I was coming with, I got a new theory. I heard a new theory. Here's a new theory. I was theory crazy. I was always, I wanted to know every theory. Was it, whether it was the craziest theory ever, whether it was Captain Phasma was Lindell from the Ewok mo- movies, Jar Jar was Snoke, Jar Jar was a th- Sith. I love theories. I love hearing theories. But the difference is I am not beholden to them. I do not need to go into a film and say, these are my theories, and if they don't happen, I'm going to be mad. No. These are my theories. If they come true, great. If they don't come true, hey, I was wrong. I'll find more. And I already have. There's been little nuggets dropped about know who Snoke is and I think that's great I think that's fun that's fun and that's what what it is it's fun I like the stories that that were told I like the character arcs I like that this movie was about failure that no matter how hard you try things are gonna things are gonna fail before they get better and sometimes the best way to learn that's some of the best ways I've learned that's some of the ways I've learned some the most important lessons in my life is that I tried and I failed. And when there's people out there who say, well, you failed once, that's it. No, you failed once. The world isn't over. Now you know what not, not to do. How about we try doing, doing the right way? And that's the best way. I, and that's one of the best ways I think to learn. Were there parts of the film that I didn't like? Of course. All of my all of the movies on this list, there are things that I didn't like. Of course. No movie is perfect. Nothing. But I still enjoyed this film immensely. I mean, I went to see it three times. And I'm excited to buy it way, way in it comes out and watch the bonus features, director's commentary, and just learning more. And that and that's what this film does. It opens the world up to so much more. Now my number four favorite film of the year was The Big Sick. Another one of my favorite genres, romantic comedies. And I loved how this romantic comedy was one, real. It really happened. But two, it allowed you to see the comedy in heartbreak and to see how sometimes you need to laugh a little before you cry. And then when you cry, it's when you start rebuilding. And I got to say, I know Kamel Nanjiani more from his comedic stuff, full-on comedy, stand-up, Silicon Valley, but I think it was um, I think that it was great to see a per- person of a minority group from Pakistan have a starring role and tell a story about himself that doesn't need to be sensationalized. And what a year for people from South Asia. 
You had Aziz Ansari, who was born in the U.S., but his family is from India, have, in my opinion, one of the best television shows of the year. I think Master of None Season 2 is a thing of is of a thing of beauty. I think it's incredible how well it is. And then you've got Kamel Nanjiani who puts out one of the realist heartbreaking movies of the year. And he and he does so well in it too. And I don't understand why people won't let like we've seen movies about the same type of person for so long. If you're a film fan, why why don't you not want to see stories of other people, other cultures that you don't know anything about? Not only that, realizing that people from other cultures a lot of times go through the same stupid things that we do doesn't matter where you're from when two people are in love their love is the same type of love as somebody from somewhere else and the fact that they don't play it up as heavily as they could have that he's from pakistan is great you got to see what his culture was but his culture and his background didn't define who he was he wanted to go his own path and I think that's a powerful message in today's world. And I think it is great. Holly Hunter, please, please do more. I recently watched Raising Arizona this year, and Holly Hunter needs to be in more. Needs to be in more. Now, my number three favorite film of the year is The Disaster Artist. This is the funniest movie I saw all year. Hands down. Hands down down the funniest movie i saw all year i couldn't believe how well this was i couldn't from from guys who are used to doing stoner comedies are able to pull off such a a heartwarming true story that made you laugh but then right after it made you laugh it made you think and this movie did something that most comedies can't do I was laughing at one joke so hard and so long that my laughter carried over into another joke. And that is the sign of a great comedy to me. One of the biggest things I was surprised about was Dave Franco. I'm not a big Dave Franco fan. I find that he plays the same character in every single movie he does. But the fact that I didn't know anything about the real Greg Sestero means that I was able to look at Franco's character and think, well, that just maybe is how he, how he is. So it didn't bother me as much as I thought it would. His brother, on the other hand, James Franco, perfect. I don't think there's anybody in the film industry that could have done a better job of portraying Tommy Wiseau than him. Now, I had the fortune of seeing The Room before I saw this, and to me, it made the experience better. I went with somebody who had never seen The Room before, and they still enjoyed it and are now interested in seeing The Room. So it's a great combo piece. And again, similar to It, speaking about one of the best movie-going experiences, 
I saw this film with a bunch of people in the theater who knew the joke, who were in on the joke just like the movie was and had a rip-roaring, gut-busting good time. We were laughing at all the same jokes. Some people were laughing at other jokes that you didn't see. And then when you heard them laugh, you were like, oh, oh yeah, that's that. And you kind of were able to join them on the laugh. Other people heard you laugh and realized, oh, that's what he's laughing at. And just the communal experience of this film really threw it over the top top for me. I mean, I love this film, but just seeing it in a group and everybody laughing together maybe pushed it over the top for me to put it into number three. Now, my second favorite film of the year, and for a long time, it was battling with my number one, was Logan. I think Logan is almost the best comic book movie I have ever seen. It borders on graphic novel. How good and how neo and how western it is. It's some of the best performance by Hugh Jackman and Patrick Stewart I've ever seen. It is the best video game adaptation I've ever seen as well. Little Last of Us joke. And it is the perfect ending for this character. Now, a lot of people started off by by saying before this movie was coming out, oh, he's he's old in this, so they must they, they must be doing Old Man Logan, which is a great comic book. But there's no way that they can do Old Man Logan. It's so different. And they just don't have the rights to all the characters they need. And they didn't need that. This movie also made me feel uncomfortable at times. Just because you felt the pain that Hugh Jackman was going through. The scene where he had to physically pull out one of his blades because he couldn't he couldn't do it himself. Watching that scene just... I felt the pain he was going through. Seeing the father-daughter relationship, an older male, young female relationship they had really worked well together. It's just everything about this movie. And what's incredible was it was from the same guy that did the Wolverine, which I liked the Wolverine, but it didn't get a lot of praise. A lot of people weren't talking about it. They were saying, oh, it's just, you know, it's not as bad as as Wolverine Origins. Nothing's that bad. But it just wasn't up to the level that it should have been. And the fact that the studio basically just said, you know what, fine. Go make your own. Here's a bunch of money. Go make your own. And they let them do it. And guess what? Guess what happens When you let creative people be creative, they make this. There's a reason why these people are making films. Sometimes they have a bad one, yes. But they've been doing it long enough that most of them can see what's good and what's bad. And the fact that he was able to produce something that I think is Oscar-worthy, awards-worthy, 
worthy. I know everybody's talking about Wonder Woman. I personally think Logan is the best comic book movie of the year and one of the best movies of the year. If it does not get awards talk, I'm out. Peace. Deuces. We can't have this. Patrick Stewart was so good. Now, obviously, it didn't get any nominations for the Globes, but the Globes are a joke. They're not real. They don't count. When the real awards come, when the DGAs, PGAs, Screen Actors Guild, Oscars, when those start coming around, that's when I hope you'll start to see more for this talk, for this movie. And that was my 10 through 2 of 2017, the best of the rest, as I like to call, call them. Going through it again, number 10, score a film music documentary. Number 9, Split. Number 8, Colossal. Number 7, Wind River. Number 6, It. Number 5, Star Wars The Last Jedi. Number four, The Big Sick. Number three, The Disaster Artist. And number two, Logan. I'd like to hear what some of your top ten movies are this year. Maybe I haven't seen them and I'd be interested to go. There were still a bunch of movies that a lot of people like that I haven't seen yet. So maybe this list will change, but I didn't see those movies in 2017. So this is my list. And stay tuned for my next episode, which will discuss my number one favorite movie of 2017. And yes, to me, it's a 2017 movie. There's a little hint for you. And that will be it for today's episode of Mets at the Movies. And I will see you at the next screening. (laughs) 